0: Connecting with prospects and customers. How do some sales calls go so well and others go south so quickly? This is a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell. We all have a way of communicating, a manner or a style. But how can you match up successfully to how your target customers communicate or their style?
1: Effective communication involves understanding your own style, adapting to your customer's style, and then adapting communication to your customer style.
0: That's Mike Fisher from Integrity Solutions. And among other things, Mike specializes in helping sales teams understand what are called behavior styles. We're featuring a conversation with Mike to explore a behavior styles framework and how it's critical to sales success. In fact, it's important to a lot of what you do and how you communicate successfully. We had time with Mike recently after he wrapped up a day-long workshop around this popular topic. This is an edited version of that earlier conversation. Mike, thank you for taking time after such a long day. Thank
1: you, Michael. It's great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Let's first, if you can, set some context around behavior styles. Why is this so important?
1: If we think about communication or behavior styles in general, basically it's nothing new. It's not anything that we've, we've developed. It's traced all the way back to Hippocrates, with ha- who had different styles of communication and he would label different styles of communication and so it basically has come through the ages of understanding that people communicate differently. We see it and try to simplify it into four basic communication styles that we call talkers are people that talk a lot. Doers are people who like to get things done. Controllers are people who are analytical and supporters are people who, well, they support things and they they tend to be uh, people that take care of people on the team. But we just have to understand that from a communication standpoint, everybody communicates differently. From a selling perspective, I think that if you miscommunicate Michael with someone from a selling perspective, so I come in, for example, and i'm I'm in a I, you know I might be in a very social um, mode, but the person that I'm communicating with, they walk out and I can tell immediately that they're very low key, they're very analytical and detailed. You're going to miss the mark when it comes to to communicating with this person from a standpoint of uh, that, that they want to they the way they receive information. They don't want to talk about well. Let me give you an example. They 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 want facts and data and proof and evidence. And I might be in a selling perspective if I come in talking about just you know all the other third party people that use our products and and I'm talking all these features and benefits. That's not important to them. They want to make sure that it's it's going to do exactly what they say it's going to do, and they want all the facts and data and proof and evidence to back that up from a selling perspective, I just missed the mark with that person. And, and we didn't communicate. I didn't answer their questions. I probably talked too much and I didn't step back and answer their questions. I think you, I think you miscommunicate in, in those scenarios if you don't understand who you're communicating with and pre-call plan to prepare for the types of questions I'm going to ask so that I can relate to this person better.
0: Okay, let's get into the four types, the four behavior styles, and look at each in brief detail.
1: So if we break them down talkers doers controllers and supporters so a talker is somebody who's outgoing and they're friendly and they're they're not so interested in all the details they value relationships they want you to like them and they want to like you they 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 make decisions emotionally they are uh, if you were going to go in their office for example it'd be messy they probably have pictures on the wall pictures of kids and, and pictures of family and maybe a, a baseball signed by the t-ball team that they coached. And and you're going to see a lot of, you can tell a lot about who that person is just by walking into their office. Now, the biggest challenge with this person is getting them to focus. They tend to want to talk about a lot of social things. And if I'm, if if I'm not careful, I'll spend all my time talking about social building rapport and we don't get to the reason of why I'm in there. So we have to really focus on the transition of Once they go through and they share with me the pictures from their vacation or whatnot, it's kind of like when they come up for air in that conversation. I want to think about okay, how can I? uh, I, It's like well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing me those pictures, and those were great. Sounds like the vacation was awesome. You know, the purpose of me being here today. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about was, and then we kind of transition in. So talkers are are really the the outgoing, friendly, fun loving. The next to that is going to be a doer, and a doer is going to be more direct. They're a little more forceful. They're results oriented they they want concise, focused information. They make very quick decisions. They're not emotional. They need bullet points and checklists and, and, and things to kind of get. So they kind of are that cut to the chase. The first thing they typically say to you is going to be, tell me what you got, tell me what you got. And I'll tell you if I'm interested. Right. And so they're really recognition driven. And one of the things to, to think about with this person is we got to get right to the point very quickly. And so if you try to build rapport with them too long, You're probably going to lose them because the amount of time that you get in front of a doer is usually directly related to who's doing the talking. If they're talking to you, they got time. If you're talking, doing all the talking to them, they start to slowly shut down and they'll tell you thanks for coming by. So rapport typically happens at the end of a call with a doer, not at the beginning. The biggest challenge I would say with a doer is getting time. You have to get – if you're going to get time, it has to be them talking to you, you, not you talking to them.
0: Two down and two to go, Mike, and then we'll talk about putting all of this in play on the job.
1: If we go to the third one, controllers, boy, they're a lot different than the first two because they're going to be detail-oriented. They're very deliberate. They're facts and data and proof, and, and they rely on evidence to make decisions they they're going to weigh all the options and they're going to they need proof and evidence so they're going to weigh everything out they're going to read everything you give them and then they're going to be skeptical and ask questions so who did this study where did this where did this 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 information come from etc they're going to ask you a lot of those questions and so one of the, the the if you think about their office if i was walking into that office it is meticulous and and i mean everything has a spot it is it's almost sterile the you know there's there's no pictures on the wall unless they were put up maybe by a decorator type of scenario but they don't want they, they don't want things moved around or shuffled around it is very neat and everything has a place so these people are, are the the kind of the the facts and 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 evidence and proof folks now the challenge with them is it's 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 tough to get a relationship with these folks because they will uh they will they're gonna they hold things close to the vest and so they typically don't don't give you a lot of information but if you come to them, and, and, and it might sound like a call, if I went to go see them, it might sound something like, Michael, where I would say, in preparation for our time together today, I did a little research based on our last conversation, and I wanted to get your opinion on a couple of these couple of these studies that I found. Or I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these, these things that we talked about and, and see how what your thoughts are on those. They love that because there's an agenda. They, you've done some research. You're prepared. They like that. And, but you've always got to back that up with proof and evidence when you come to talk to that person. So your preparation is, is key for these folks. And then lastly is going to be a supporter. They need time to process information. They like trusting relationships. They want to like you. They're friendly. The they're really, good news is they're really loyal, but from a selling situation, the bad news is, is they're really loyal. So they, they may uh, – if they're doing business already with someone, they are very loyal. So they, they'll see everybody because they don't like confrontation, but – and they typically – sometimes they'll spread the business out to a little bit for each of the, the people that call on them type of things, but they're very laid back. They're very reluctant to change, and oftentimes they are not the decision maker. So they are somebody that's gathering information for the decision maker. Now, they can be a champion inside for you, so they can be very valuable, but they're not always the decision maker. So be careful if you start to recognize a supporter that you don't spend all your time thinking that they're going to make the decision because they're probably not. Now, what their office might look like, a supporter is going to be a little bit uh, uh, messy, if you will. It's uh, I always kind of joke that supporter rhymes with hoarder which means they've got a lot of stuff in their office, but when they go to clean their office, they're not going to throw things out. It's like, you know, I may need that, so I'm going to put that over here. And so you kind of get a little bit of clutter in the office, that kind of thing, but it's a friendly environment, maybe a candy dish. They're very relationship-driven, too. So where I would start that appointment for a a supporter is I might say, if in a selling perspective, I might come in and see them and say, hey, I appreciate you taking some time today. Real quickly, I've got several things to go through, but before we get started, Tell me a little bit about, I know you had a soccer, didn't your, your daughter have a soccer tournament this weekend? How'd it go? How was the tournament? So we build some rapport based on relationships, then transition back into why I'm here. And that, that goes a long way with a supporter.
0: Great, Mike. Thank you for running through that summary of the four behavior styles. In hearing you, I kind of saw myself in not one, but maybe two of those styles.
1: Most everybody is a combination of more than one style. They have a primary style. And the way you look at that is they have a primary style, which is their, honestly, their natural style. And some have what we call an adapted style, which it may be that my natural style is to be very social and whatnot, but I'm in a position where I'm the manager or the boss at the company. So I'm a little bit more of a doer or a controller mode when I'm at work. So that's my adapted style. So absolutely, typically people are more than one style. There's times that I know relationships that I've had in a selling relationship where this person's very much a talker, but I go to see them today. And because of circumstances that have nothing to do with me, they're in doer mode. They're behind, they're trying to get things done and they're, they're there. So I just have to use some emotional intelligence and recognize, all right, do I, is this a good time to call on this person or not? Or if it is, I need to be concise and to the point and recognize kind of what's going on in their world that, uh, you know, I think you, I think you build some trust if you recognize and go, Hey, is this a good time to, to, to catch up? And they're like, Nope, really, let's, let's do it later. I've found that to be, Hey, I appreciate you doing that because I recognized it. So sometimes even the, the mode that you think they're in, be prepared that this may not be where they are when you get there.
0: Mike, can you talk about how we put all this in play on the job? Here's what we find. When when I typically when we when, when
1: they we get a chance to teach this and they go and they're working, the first week of the of them coming back where we follow up with them, this is usually the number one thing that they've that they've done. And they'll always come back and go, oh my gosh I had somebody that this week that I, I just – I didn't realize that they were – this guy was a controller, and I've been going in there in my talker mode, and that's why I've missed – I had – I prepared questions. I had some specific things I wanted to show them and share with. We had a totally different call, and they're very excited about the fact that they, they got more information or got further with this prospect than they ever had based oh. on taking some time to prepare those behavior styles. And I think once they do that, you don't have as many misses as far as looking at behavior styles because then they get some confidence from it and they realize, wow, there's, there's a lot to this. When you start to open communicate the way they want to, people will really open up to you. It's just very natural. Now, here's the thing they have to remember. Who has to adapt? Well, I do. They're not going to adapt to me. I have to adapt to match their style. So I'm the person that has to be aware of, of the, who, what style they are, and, and that, which means I need to know exactly what my style is. To be able to adapt to match their style. you know, so it's real important that I, I know what style I am as well. If I'm a doer, for example, and I do not like small talk, if I'm a doer, what I mean by that when I say adapt is I have to recognize there's probably going to be a little bit of rapport on this call, and I need to ask them a quick question about how their weekend was or tell me about Billy's soccer game or whatever, and I'm going to have to go there as a doer just to give them a few minutes because I know that's going to, that's going to warm this person up when I see them. So, when I, yeah, when I say adapt, it's just recognizing that it is not natural for me to have that small talk, but in this particular call, I, I, it, that's where I'm going, to, I'm going to ask them some questions and, and try to get out of my comfort zone. One thing I want to say is that that just there are certain things that motivate each of the styles, and if we can recognize and, and kind of flex to match their styles, you tend to get a lot further a lot faster. If you have talkers and doers, understand that they are motivated by recognition so if you go into a, an office, for example, I didn't mention this, but a talker or a doer, you're probably going to see some plaques and some recognition and some, some, some certificates and whatnot. But when it comes to, to – you know if you, if you look in there, talkers and doers are very driven by recognition where a supporter or a controller is going to be much more safety and security, and, and, and they're going to be security-driven and making sure it's the right choice or the right decision. If you think about doers and controllers, they're more along the lines of results-oriented – uh, they're driven by ROI, and so they're going to look at what's the bottom line and how is it going to impact us, whereas talkers and supporters, they're going to be more people and process driven, so they they worry more about what people
0: think. Okay, Mike, many of us spend so much time on the phone. How does this all work when we're not sitting across a conference room table from someone or we're not in the office together?
1: That's a great question. So a lot of it has to do with tone. Uh, it's tone of voice. It's, it's kind of thinking and, and listening to how they say things, if you get on the phone and somebody is very forceful and they say something along the lines of, "Hey, hey, Mike, real quick, I just, I need a, give me real quickly, give me this, give me that," and they've got a real fast pace, you don't have to go through the whole thing. Just give me the quick bullet points. I've probably got a doer. If they're very social and they say, "Hey, you can listen to a voicemail," for example, Michael, and a voicemail from a talker is going to be, "Hey, uh, I hate that I missed your call. This is Mike, and uh, please leave me a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible." Where a doer's type of message is going to be. Uh, Hey, this is Mike, leave me a message. (laughs) Those are two totally different type of of messages, but they'll give you a lot about their behavior style based on just what you hear there. But I I think as far as listening for tone of voice, listening for, and here's the best practice. If you're thinking about about behavior styles on the phone, try to mirror and match what you're hearing from the other end of the line. If they go very quickly, then I'm gonna go pretty quickly and I'll recognize, okay, probably got a doer here. If they're very analytical and slow and methodical, probably going to be more controller. So I need to match that behavior style. And I will say this too. One of the things to think about is when you're leaving messages, you need to mirror or think about the person that you're talking about leaving a message for. And I think you can get a long way by by leaving the same type message, the same behavior. Think about who you're communicating with and what's important to them and, and leave your messages based on that. That's probably a good practice.
0: We're summarizing a lot here, Mike, and we've talked about in person, on the phone, but what about email?
1: I can't tell you the number of times that I've added behavior styles into the emails that I write. And I will, I will think about – I'll start to write a quick email that says, hey, Michael, how are you? Hey, how's the weather? How's everything going up in New York? I hope things are going well. And then I'll go, wait a minute, delete, 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 delete. Michael's a doer. He didn't care about the weather and how things are going. So let me just <laughs> – hey, Michael, a quick point. Real quickly, here's the, here's the message I told you i send you, and, and I've attached it, and that's all I put. So i got to think about the person that I'm communicating on email – I can't tell you the number of times I've had to stop and really think about how they like to communicate and then realize that this email is not communicating. I've given them four paragraphs, and there's no way he's going to read that. So i got to back up and go, this guy's a talker. He's not going to read all that stuff. He's just – you know, try to give him just a little bit of something and then put it in a concise manner, whereas a doer wants quick bullet points and stuff. So thinking about who you're communicating with in your emails I think is, a, is another area where you can use uh, behavior styles to your advantage.
0: Mike, some last thoughts on behavior styles. Can you talk briefly about hurdles and how to use behavior styles without getting hung up?
1: I think one of the biggest hurdles is just don't overthink it. Don't let it uh, get in the way. If you just use the rule of thumb of kind of mirroring who you're in front of, that'll really help. Um, I think if you talk to them on the phone, then you can prepare a little differently because you can get it. If I set the appointment up and I've talked to you and I don't know you yet, but I've spoken to you, then it gives me an idea. But But don't don't overthink it. Don't let don't let trying to figure out the behavior style get in the way of the of the conversation and and where it becomes an awkward type of conversation there. So I think that's probably one of the, the biggest hurdles is just just over. Now, the second one is misinterpreting who they are so that you start to miscommunicate. I thought this person was a doer and I totally missed it. They were very once I got in there, they were very analytical. So I didn't have all these facts and data. I had gone with bullet points and they wanted facts and data. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of maybe misdiagnosing who they are when I'm first meeting them. i, I got to get them talking to me versus me talking to them. And that-, that comes down to thinking of well-thought-out questions that if you ask well-thought-out questions of-, of any style, you'll be able to tell, let them talk to you, and that gives you a little bit more time to, if they give you short, concise answers, you're going to know pretty quickly, all right, I've either got a doer or a controller here, versus a talker and a supporter who's going to give you long, drawn-out, you know, welcoming type of answers.
0: Wow, a conversation about behavior styles, which are also communication styles, with Mike Fisher, Vice President of Business Development at Integrity Solutions. And just for the record, Mike tells me that his personal style is a talker, and he also has a bit of supporter in the mix. For more information about behavior styles and other performance improvement topics, please visit IntegritySolutions.com. You've been listening to a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell.